Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Bendrowski Show for Thursday, October 14th. is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana. The Chicago Federation of Labor are sponsors. The Chicago Teachers Union are sponsors. Don't bait us. Okay, I'm not baiting you. And the <laughs> Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, drink, and ingest into your body, and so much more. Go check it out. Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. Check out the latest column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. I think I saw something online of a picture of Ben really young, and he had huge hair. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, that's the COVID kicking oh, in. Yeah. God. That was me back in the day, T. What a young man I was. Yeah. Go, very young man. Go check that out online. Uh, Chicago Reader. If you want to help out this program, you can too. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J O R A V is in victory, S K Y. And you could become a binhead. It is Thursday, October 14th, and live from my apartment and his Airbnb in Los Angeles, California, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we welcome back Harish Patel and the long-awaited return of Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor. Now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Tim Black Thursday, and here's why. Man, man, what a great man Tim Black uh, was. He died the other day. He was 102 years old. The, the news broke when we were on the show yesterday with Monroe Anderson. I think it was yesterday. I'm losing track of time, D, since I moved to California. Well, yesterday was Wednesday, so yes, yes. Yes. Uh, by the way, moved. That's not really accurate uh, since I... Uh, visiting California, he'll be back. It's funny, D will be going to California tomorrow because uh, I think he's playing in a pro am golf tournament. Well, that uh, and I need to pick up that surfboard that you have there uh, at your place. <laughs> I'm going to try to. He's going to try it. See how surfing goes. Uh, anyway, this the Ben Jarosky show loves California, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody's moving out of California, complaining about California, and trip, typical uh, Dennis and I in our uh, typical fashion. Hey, we're a little late to the party. As we come in, people are walking. Hey, where are you? Where are you? Are you where are you going? Party just started. Anyway, uh, but Dennis will be back next week, so all we'll be both in Chicago next week. But anyway, Tim Black passed on, and uh, what a great Chicago and he was! What a great historical figure he was! I just want to take a little moment uh, just to reflect about his life. I was uh, did not know him, so I'm not going to uh, pretend that we were friends in any way. I've heard him speak uh, in the past. I've interviewed him. Uh, and so forth. But, uh, you know, he was just a, 
historical, larger than life, almost uh, figure, 102 years old. Dave. And when I was reading the obituary uh, in the um, Chicago Sun-Times today, it was just amazing the, the amount of famous people uh, that he crossed paths with in the city of Chicago. Just, just if you live a long time, uh, the chances are you're going to meet some famous people. Uh, 102 years is a long, long time. Uh, but uh, I was just reading a Nat King Cole, the great singer Nat King Cole, Harold Washington, the greatest uh, mayor the city of Chicago has ever had. Everybody knows that now. Pretty much everybody. Admit, well, they won't admit it. Corporate Chicago and Civic Chicago and Editorial Chicago still won't admit it. But everybody in the city knows uh, Harold Washington, the greatest mayor the city of Chicago ever had. Uh, let's see. Who? Uh, John Johnson, publisher of Ebony Magazine, created Ebony Magazine. Uh, he, he crossed paths with him. Uh, and I remember there was a book by Natalie Moore, uh, the WBEZ writer, uh, Natalie Moore, uh, about uh, the, um, the old uh, Blackstone Rangers and uh, on the south side of Chicago. And in that book, it opens, as I recall, with uh, Tim Black was a teacher or a counselor, I think it is, at Hyde Park High School. So I remember. And so he had a connection with Jeff Fort who was the gangster that organized the Blackstone Rangers. I'm like, oh, my God, he even knew the gangsters. He was in Chicago so long. He knew the gangster when the gangster was a high school student uh, and an activist. And one part of the story that uh, uh, stood out to me, I didn't realize this, uh, Tim Black uh, ran for alderman uh, in the city of Chicago, the fourth ward. And that probably was back in the day. It didn't mention who his opponent was, but my guess uh, is that his opponent would have been a, a gentleman named Claude Holman. And this is a figure from Chicago's past, long forgotten by most people. But uh, Claude Holman was the quintess quintessential uh, silent six member. And that's what they called black aldermen in the uh, city council back in the early 60s who were silent in the face of all the dastardly deeds uh, that uh, Mayor Richard J. Daly's administration was doing. Uh, to the black community in the 1960s uh, and, uh, and things like open housing initiatives that got buried and civil rights initiatives that got buried and uh, just uh, opening up the police department to black people, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, and so to run against a Claude Holman back in the 60s took a lot of courage because the machine in those days, uh, patronage workers, who, people who work for the city of Chicago, uh, owed their job, their allegiance to the ward committeemen, and as such, on election day, they were dispatched to uh, to man the precinct, so to speak, bring out the vote. So it was a very difficult task. They tear down your signs. I don't know if things, things got really rough and tumble. Maybe throw a rock through your window. But they made your life very, very difficult if you had the uh, audacity. Oh my God, the audacity to run against an incumbent alderman who was loyal to Mayor Daley. Uh, and this is not just in the black community; it was also in the white community as well. But it was particularly pervasive in the black community. And uh, Tim Black, according to the Sun-Times story, was the one who coined the phrase plantation politics, uh, which is a phrase that sticks with us uh, to this day. People are always accusing other people of being on a, somebody's plantation. Sometimes, D, I feel I'm on a plantation. I'm not quite sure which plantation it is. Sometimes I think it's the Dr. D plantation, uh, but uh, he's smiling as I say that. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, a lot of guts it took for Tim Black to run in the early 60s against Claude Holman. And eventually, of course, Claude Holman uh, retired and turned things over to uh, Tim Evans. A little history lesson for you, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Evans was the alderman of the Fourth Ward. Uh, he was a product of the machine. And then he became Harold Washington's floor leader. Uh, and uh, after uh, he ran for mayor, was defeated. Uh, there was a split in the black community, and he was ousted. 
by Tony Preckwinkle. It all comes together. It's like a river running through it. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle took over his fourth ward alderman, and Tim Evans eventually became judge. Now he's the, he's the head of the, the judges in Cook County. So a little history lesson there. But Tim Black, what a lot of guts uh, that would have taken to go up against Claude Holman and Richard J. Daly back in the day. Uh, and he was a voice for school integration back in the early 60s when they was not it was it's school integration in the city of chicago has never been popular in fact they pretty much have eradicated school integration as a goal in the city of chicago that happened under richard m daly uh when paul vallis said oh my god we're spending way too much money busing kids for the sake of integration from let's say the south side to the north side uh so let's end that right now and spend the money on other things so open window and out goes uh, integration. And uh, I don't think I've never really heard anybody calling for its return. Uh, the city of Chicago has sort of settled into the notion that maybe it's best that the races are separated. Uh, playing to the very tribalistic politics that, uh, that take place in the city in which one neighborhood is pitted against another. One race is pitted against another. And we wonder why. We have so many problems uh, in the city. Uh, anyway, Tim Black uh, was a, a strong uh, supporter of uh, integration, a strong supporter, at the very least, uh, spending equally among uh, black and white schools in the city. So kind of a sad day. But the man did live 102 years, ladies and gentlemen. I urge everybody to check out the obituary in today's Sun-Times. Uh, that will tell you the story of Tim uh the great Tim Black. All right, we have a great show today, everybody. Harish Patel will be with, be with us. I don't know where he is. Uh, he was like texting me earlier in the day. Hey, where's that link? Yeah, it's going to be problematic. You know that? Do you ever notice that? Yeah, like, guess it. Where's the link? Then you send them the link, and they're like, "Oh, I think." I'll wait before I respond to that link. Yeah, it's different uh, than the so, old studio days, you know. Yeah, the old yeah the old studio days. Generally, I I can't recall the as a podcast. I recall before we were fired. Or I I really amend that sentence. Before I was fired, you were not fired. They loved you uh, at the <laughs> radio station. Yeah, I quit. <laughs> Dennis quit. All right, I sent the email out one more time there. Yeah, that is quit. I got fired. Anyway, uh, I recall a guest or two being late uh, at the old radio station. I will not name any of the guests, but I do remember one guest in particular. Do you just crack up just thinking about this? Let's say he was supposed to be there at 2. He rolls in at 2.45, and he calls me the wrong name. I don't know what show he thought he was on. Oh, yeah. Rick Stone. Rick Stone. No, no, Rick. No, Rick was a different. You thing. gave him the wrong address. Rick's, yeah, Rick's, <laughs> Rick's a dear friend. Rick Stone, I gave him the right. Was my fault. I gave him the wrong. <laughs> uh, that that was my fault, not Rick's. Fault. No, Rick was. Rick did everything right. No, it was another guest, and I want I'm not gonna. I'm not naming names, D. Okay, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not naming names. And um, uh, so anyway, the guest wanders in, and he says, "Hey, Mike." I'm like. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I remember that one, D? Yeah. Uh, called you Mike. Anyway, we, when we had the, when we were at the studio, I can't recall a guest being late. I don't know. Maybe it was the central location of uh, the Sun-Times, but I, I don't remember a guest ever being late. I used to love it, though, when I would door 
uh, would open and the guests would walk in. Anyway, Harish Patel will be here. He'll be talking guaranteed income program, uh, the program in the city of Chicago that the mayor is proposing to support this program uh, in which guaranteed income for the poorest of the poor in the city. Maybe may, maybe this will be the one program the city of Chicago has that is intended for the poor that will actually go to the poor as opposed to the economic development program in the city of Chicago, the one economic development program the city has, the TIF program, which is intended for the poorest of the poor and goes to the richest of the rich. And we wonder why Chicago is such a mess. Hey, here's an idea. We'll take a program that's supposed to benefit the poorest of the poor neighborhoods that need economic development the most, and we'll give it to the richest of the rich neighborhoods that don't need it. Hmm. We wonder why we have poverty. We wonder why we have high crime. And we wonder why we have such deprivation in the city of Chicago. We spend money for the poor on the rich. So anyway, Harish Patel uh, will be with us soon. He's taking his time on, on responding to that link. He's a busy guy, D. Right? Didn't have all day to respond to that link. Something came up. All right. Uh, and then after Harish Patel, Jeanette Taylor, JT, as we know her, uh, all her women of the 20th Ward uh, will be joining us. It's been a while since she's been on the show. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, Jeanette Taylor, one of our favorites, uh, had COVID for a, while, for a while. I think she was out of it for about a week or so. Uh, I was very worried about her, but uh, she's okay. She's back uh back on the block, as they say, uh, back in the saddle, whatever the cliche is. And um, uh, she's at city council meetings, so she'll be joining us today. A lot to talk about with her. Clear my ask her a question about her opinion about mandated vaccinations. So that is a showdown that is happening right now in the city of Chicago. Uh, John Canizera, uh, Dennis's favorite union leader, who's the head of the Fraternal Order of Police, uh, has is defying Mayor Lori Lightfoot's uh, mandate that all city workers uh, be vaccinated by the 15th. 15th is, is tomorrow. So if uh, there could, this, this could be a situation where uh, Lori Lightfoot, if she stands to, to her um, policy goals, what is she going to do? Fire police officers? Uh, Candace Harris says there's no way she's going to do that. The city needs police officers too much. You know, there's a big demand and cry for more police officers. So they, they think they're in the driver's seat on this one. Very bizarre coalition. I talked about it yesterday. Chicago police officers and Kyrie Irving. This one really uh, it's just a little hard to understand. The, I, I become like a mini student of um, a mini student uh, of the uh, vaccine, anti-vaccine movement. And definitely has taken hold among uh, MAGA supporters and uh, law enforcement officers. For some reason, police officers are just feel as though this would be an intrusive invasion of their privacy and their liberty rights. And uh, Kyrie Irving apparently agrees with them. Anyway, Harish Patel has joined us. Uh, he has very kindly accepted the link. And so, Harish, welcome back to the show, young man. Thank you. How are you, Ben? I'm doing well. Uh, I talked a little bit about what we're going to talk about, the Guaranteed Income Program in the city of Chicago. I've already endorsed it. I'm not sure it's going to pass. The city council will be uh, put into law. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy to say uh, that Mayor Lori Lightfoot and I see eye to eye on this program. So uh, why don't you uh, uh, take us through some excuse me, take us through some of the basics, uh, guaranteed income program. First of all, how does it work? Go ahead, Harish. Thank you, Ben. Uh, well, first of all, I'm always glad to be here. I'm Harish Patel. I direct Economic Security for Illinois. And we are um, 
one of the many organizations that are calling for uh, what is called cash program, cash pilot, guaranteed income. There are many names for the idea that people should be given cash and be left to decide on their own what they want to do with that cash. Some want to buy diapers for their kids. Some want to pay rent. Some want to save it so they can um, invest in a business, right? So this concept called guaranteed income um, cash pilot was included for the first time in the city of Chicago's budget that is for next year in 2022. And in that budget, there is a $31.5 million proposal for uh, 5,000 families in the city of Chicago to get $500 a month for the uh, for one full year. And that's what the proposal uh, is in the budget. There are a few other proposals of cash transfer, and we have seen uh, people in our city probably have heard their um, invitation that went out to be able to get cash last year. Also, people are probably aware, federal government, both under Trump and under Biden administration, have sent out checks to people. So many people, about 90% of America has experienced getting a check from their government. We're trying to take that model and do it for longer term for some of the uh, some of the families that are experiencing poverty, because we know that it works, it's effective, and has actually helped a lot of families not get into the poverty cycle or not get into a cycle of debt. So I'll stop there. I can go into a little bit more details if you'd like, Ben. Yeah, let's let's go into some details first of all. When you say a, a family of poverty, what what income area range are you talking about? Yeah, usually it's defined by the federal poverty guidelines, and uh, the city of Chicago has not uh, ex- you know defined exactly the criteria they'll be using uh, for um, for the pilot itself. But we know that in addition to this thirty one point five million dollars specifically for the cash program. There are also one-time cash programs the city is proposing that specifically target uh, people who have been affected by gender-based violence, uh, domestic workers that may have lost a job or uh, lost to work because of COVID. Um, and die- our city that were not able to be eligible for any federal support when the federal government sent out checks, undocumented people in our city did not uh, qualify. So there are various cash funds uh, that the city is proposing for different uh, different community members. And who will determine eligibility? The city of Chicago will work with their Department of Family Services, DFSS, and uh, hopefully other people who have designed this. So there's over uh, 50 cities. Pilots are either... In the works, few that have already happened, and lots of them being proposed, uh, backed by the ARPA funds, so the federal funds that came to our city that are providing the resources to be able to do this. So there are many academics who have done this. There are a lot of proposals uh, that we have studied. Uh, Three and a half years ago, in the city of Chicago, I led a task force that actually proposed uh, some ways of doing this. Um, and there were amazing people like Alderman Amaya Pawar back then and a few others who uh, actually proposed this concept because we knew that it was effective, it was empowering, it allowed people who get the money to decide how to spend it. The pandemic has made those bold ideas into much more of a reality, both on a federal level. Uh, we saw this happening on a state level where a lot of cash p- programs were uh, um, were led by our governor uh, and legislature, and now it's happening on the city level. 
Amaya Poar, former alderman in the 47th Ward, my old debate partner, uh, Harish May and I would have I've had many debates on all kinds of topics, but we see eye to eye on this one. I am um, I'm going to uh, articulate my inner Ted Cruz. Uh, on this one, and I'd love to get your response on this. My inner Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, of course, uh, the senator, Republican senator from uh, the state of Texas, where so many rich people uh, are getting so many handouts from the government for so many different programs having to do with energy and agriculture, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, they, they got their big paw out there when the government's throwing out money, but when they confront the proposal, the prospects, Arish, of the government giving money, just income, to poor people. They say, no, we cannot do that because that will dull their incentive. And they won't work and they'll be unproductive and they'll sit around watching soap operas on TV or I don't know what they'll watch. They'll watch something on TV. It's usually something on TV that they watch while eating food that's bad for you. I'm just telling you what Ted Cruz says. And uh, the Rubio, Senator Rubio in Florida has also been known to articulate this point of view and pretty much every Republican running for governor uh, in the state of Illinois. So what's your response to uh, Republicans when they say that this will just dull incentive uh, and people deter people from going out and uh, doing honest labor? Um, Well, first, I would say that uh, we should expand the group of people who I've heard this from uh, beyond Republicans. I've heard it from people who don't identify as Republicans, uh, maybe even some Democrats. Um, we heard this sort of the entitlement uh, language from Senator Manchin. Um, and so the point is, that I think this is actually a pretty American concept, this idea that we think people are lazy or that poor people are lazy or that if, they, if we give them too much support, they won't work our crappy jobs. That idea has been around uh, and it's pretty widely spread beyond just the Republican um, leaders, but it definitely is settles really well into the Republican Party. So that's one. Beyond that, I think uh, they're pretty wrong. <laughs> what we have is a problem that we haven't raised wages for, uh, for our, our, our neighbors, for our workers for a long time. And finally, this pandemic showed a lot of people that like, there is more important things than just working for seven, eight dollars. It also showed us how expensive and how fragile life is um, to be able to be poor. It showed a lot of workers that they actually do have power and that many of these companies depend on them. It showed many of them that um, that they ultimately can uh, walk out of the job that is not serving them anymore. And that governments, our role in government should be to provide the resources for those people to actually negotiate with businesses to pay them a better wage. Because so many jobs don't pay well, and some jobs they do pay okay, don't actually have any benefits for childcare. And many of these parents have realized that childcare costs so much that they would rather take care of their own child at home than have a job that pretty much pays them the same amount as a childcare cost. So if the government is not gonna provide some of those resources, it's gonna be hard to convince people to go back to work. Well, we're uh, seeing that right now. Uh, by the way, before I get down, go down this policy rule, let me just say something about my guest, Rish Patel. He's here more or less as a policy wonk uh, who uh, is uh, talking about this program in, in his other life, which is, uh, I don't even know if it's really another life, but he is as much of a political junkie as anyone I know. Uh, and so I cannot allow, I, I will just 
briefly rebut the point you made about Democrats. And you're absolutely correct when you said that Joe Manchin uh, has articulated uh, sentiments that are of the Ted Cruzian variety and other Democrats have done it well. Uh, my point in blaming Republicans on this is that Republican Party, uh, th- this is like the driving force in the party to be against any kind of proposal like this. Uh, and so generally, I cut Democrats a little more slack, her, her reason. I may, not, I may be too easy on my beloved Democrats, but I cut them a little more slack because generally they're on the defensive. And they're almost like trying to prove that they're not the um, what uh, knee jerk liberals, uh, bleeding heart liberals that the Republicans say they are. So we see this on a lot of initiatives, including get like get tough on crime. Mm-hmm. You know, Republicans will start talking about uh, riots in uh, in this the summer of 2020 in Chicago and other cities. And then you all of a sudden you see Democrats we got to get tough on crime. Like they're afraid of being uh, characterized by the Republicans. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too nice to the Democrats when I say they're doing it in reaction uh, through the Republicans, but it does seem like the Republican party is the one that's on the attack. Uh, Ben, I think you're probably right in the sense that um, look, the budget that is proposed in the city and the budget that is proposed that the build better back plan. I mean, those are very progressive budgets. The, 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 Build Better Plan uh, that the Biden administration proposed, actually all the things that many of my friends, my colleagues, some of the activists that you probably have had on the show have been fighting for for a decade, right? Paid sick leave, uh, protecting workers, giving them some more child tax credit or expansion of the earned income tax credit. These are things that will go directly into people's pockets who then we know indirectly spend that in their neighborhoods, in the small businesses, which is a direct way of economic development, right? And, and we know the recovery, a good equitable recovery will only happen if people have that resources in their hands and feel protected by their own government. So I'm thinking this is actually in some ways one of the more progressive uh, budget I've seen. And I would say similarly, because there was an infusion of money that came to our city, the city is able to propose a budget that feels a lot more progressive than I've seen in a decade. Uh, and I've been doing some, you know, some version of this organizing for over a decade. This is on, the, on, a, on, a, on a more progressive side of a budget because it includes direct cash. It includes some more protection. Um, it, include, it takes into account the environment and climate change. Of course, we should be doing a lot more. And the big problem is going to be how do we make some of these things uh, after the one year, the money runs out from the city, how do you make some of these temporary programs new permanent? Because in one year, 200, 300 houses to be built, sure. But if our need for how, new affordable housing is in thousands, it's gonna be hard to do it in 200, uh, uh, 200 more houses. Same thing with cash. Yes, the 5,000 families that will receive this cash for a year are absolutely going to do better. They're going to walk out a cycle of poverty that they've been involved in or possibly intergenerational poverty that they've inherited. They'll be able to put a pause on it. Hopefully, then next year, the year after, we can get more 5,000 more families. That one day, the city of Chicago should have no child poverty. I mean, that should be a goal that all of us can get behind. I'm with you 100%. The uh, eradication of poverty has been a goal of, of 
civil rights activist. I remember when uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, I'm actually old enough to remember this, or he came to Chicago in 1966, lived here for a year, uh, and his one of his goals was the eradication of poverty. What, and, of course, uh, the city of Chicago being what is Mayor Richard J. Daly's goal was to get Martin Luther King out of town so fast. Anyway, by any means necessary. Suddenly he was courting Malcolm X. Let's get this man out of this town by any means necessary because there's a threat to the Democratic machine. But uh, this is the first time. So I got to give you a credit, Harish. Uh, you and Amaya Pawar. This is a shout out to Amaya Pawar. I got to give you guys credit. Uh, you've pushed this initiative and you've gotten a supporter in Lori Lightfoot. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, is uh, backing this initiative. And we'll, you're absolutely correct. It's it's um, going to be funded if it happens uh, with federal funds that are coming in this year. So the issue is, what about next year? But before we get to what about next year, what is the opposition like in the Chicago City Council? Do you think you have the votes to get this passed? I mean, the you know people are going to have to take a vote on the full budget. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do line by line budget uh, item, um, and that's the mayor's job in some ways to figure out if they have the votes uh, for this particular program. We have gotten a lot of questions. So we built out a one pager for Alderman. They want to just understand who else is doing it. Has this happened? Some very important questions. And so we were able to provide to them and share with them that over 50 other cities are considering this are already doing it. And few cities have already been had done it and seen a positive results, net results, both on where people spend money uh, what it has done for people who are in three part-time jobs to be able to get a full-time job with, uh, with benefits because it takes a little bit of money to actually apply for jobs, to have internet, to apply for jobs, to get the resume done, to apply for a job, go take a day off from one job to go to an interview for another job. All that stuff costs money. We can't expect people to just all of a sudden get a good job just because we told them to get a good job. And so what we saw from Stockton, California, what we have seen in Magnolia Mother's Trust in Jackson, Mississippi, has convinced us that this is, this is an effective, smart way to, um, to move forward. In the city of Chicago, we haven't heard, we have heard from few aldermen uh, around, they're worried about uh, how people are gonna spend money. And this worry comes up all the time. It doesn't come up when we're asking um, businesses, how they're going to spend money. But what does come up when we're asking individuals how they're going to spend money. Um, I'll pause because we have Alderman Taylor. So, well, yeah, no, no reason to pause. Alderman Jeanette Taylor, uh, the great Alderman, Alderwoman, I should say. I apologize, Jeanette, uh, from the 20th Ward on the south side of Chicago is my next guest. Uh, and so we're going to bring her on for a whole separate interview. But yes, it's always a great moment when any guest shows up, but it's particularly a great moment. Uh, Jeanette Taylor, she knows I was so worried about her because she had COVID. And I was sending out all my strongest, powerful vibrations. And I'm just looking at her on the screen, uh, Harish, and she looks strong and beautiful as ever. So Jeanette Taylor, uh, the older woman of the 20th Ward. Everybody knows she's one of my favorite people in the city of Chicago. All right, Harish, uh, we'll close with this. I I haven't had this conversation with you, but uh, I've had it with a lot of guests who come on the show. I've been utterly obsessed uh, with the Bill Clinton years, because I've been watching impeachment on TV, which is the story of the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton. I call it the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton impeachment trial, uh, which is a very bizarre thing to call it. But anyway, uh, and 
one of the things that's, that show has done in particular is brought me back to the mentality of Democrats in the 90s. And I got into this a little bit with you earlier in the interview. Uh, and I just thought about Clinton ending uh, welfare as we know it. I could hear his little voice. It irritated the hell out. This is way before your time, Marish, because you're a young man. I don't think you have any memory of this. Maybe Jeanette Taylor has some memories of this. Uh, but she was pretty young back in the 90s as well. Uh, we're going to end. We're going to end welfare as we know it. And he just went right because he felt, Harish, that that's where how it was like a slick ROM type move. I'm going to move to the right to outdo the Republicans so that middle mainstream America thinks I'm more Republican than Republicans. And we end up with a, a situation which is really savagely cruel to poor people, in my humble opinion. And now here we are 20 years later, whatever, how many years later? It's in almost 30 years, Harish. And there's these. Little efforts, and I give a credit, Rich. I really do. I give you credit for this because this is going against the grain. Efforts to undo some of the damage that was done in the '90s. So, do you believe, in your heart of hearts, uh, the progressives and Democrats have learned the lessons of those Clinton years, where you can, politically you can't win by outdoing Republicans, and it's just not morally the right thing to do your thoughts Arish. um specifically on economic justice maybe overall probably not on economic justice uh but on the administration the Biden administration i'm shocked some of the proposals that are coming out around reducing the work requirements from snap from medicaid uh from other programs like uh, child tax credit that was what was actually put forward in the 90s are now being taken out. Uh, and, you know, we actually heard about work requirements. There's really absolutely no proof or negligible, negligible positive proof that it actually does anything to make people work or get a job. And people are working at home. We just don't call it a job. Raising a kid is a lot of work. And we all know how hard it is during the pandemic when they were home all the time. We don't think of the, all kinds of uh, sort of unseen labor that's happening uh, in the household. And also it costs money. Whenever you add any administrative aspect to uh, any program, it costs money to administer it. And that costs sometimes more money than the amount of money that you think people are going to get. So all of those are terrible proposals. Work requirements should be completely off the table. It doesn't have any proof. And you're right. Nine is a lot of damage. And I'm hoping that we can undo it in our lifetime. All right. Very good. Harish, uh, keep up the good fight. Thanks for coming on the show. And I'll worry about next year, next year. Let's just get this past this year, right? Thank you, Ben. All right. Very good. Harish Patel, thank you very much. Now we turn our attention to Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor from the 20th Ward on the south side of Chicago. Welcome back, uh, Jeanette. Hey, Ben. How are you? I'm doing hey, well. And Dennis is doing well. He's hey, as hey. handsome as ever. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, so... All right, Jeanette, everyone was wondering about uh, your health. We were worried about your health. The word got out among progressives. JT is not feeling well. I heard all kinds of rumors. So why don't you just uh, sort of tell people what happened to you and, uh, you know, tell the story. Go ahead. So um, I do get the flu shot every year. Um, It has stopped me from having the flu and tonsillitis every year, which I had for a long time until my doctor figured out the flu shot would help me. So I had the flu and COVID at the same exact time. And so I'm not 100%. 
I still can't taste, I still can't smell, but they wouldn't make the city council meetings virtual. So I have, have had to force myself to come back when I wasn't ready because you all know in those meetings, for the amount of money we spend, there has to be some accountability to the public. And so I was there for that last week, um, <clears throat> a week and tired, but I got to show up for my community. I feel like I don't have a choice, but I felt um, I felt a slap in the face from this administration because we're so busy pushing COVID um, and be safe and wear your mask. And then to have 50 people, 50 plus people in a room, um, they're not always not open to share about their health, which you can't blame them. You scrutinize one way or the other, and I was as well. Um, it just doesn't seem safe, and it doesn't seem like we should be back, knowing the amount of students that Chicago Public School has lost, knowing contract tracing is not what it's supposed to be at the city level or at CPS. We're dooming families, and I was blessed enough to be able to buy medicine. Um, my baby is 17. I had kids who actually could take care of me, who had to wear masks and gloves. Um, I hadn't seen my granddaughter in about a month other than video, and it was tearing me apart. And so I realized how people die in those hospitals because they don't, they don't have this, this network of people to a family. Because it's not just about people taking care of you. I got to see my kids, and it hurt. It, it really hurt to think that my 17-year-old, who is autistic, who usually comes and watches TV with me, couldn't. And I'm just grateful I didn't pass it to anybody because I wear my mask. Um, I, I'm washing my hands. I'm sanitizing. I'm, I'm quarantining when I can. So I, I'm just grateful to the people in my life who gave me all this great advice, what to do, and how to really take care of myself. And so... So I, I just want to make sure I understand this correctly because this one's boggling my mind and I thought I heard everything in the city of Chicago. So you had COVID and you appealed to Mayor Lori Lightfoot to allow you to do a uh, video. Like you're talking to me right now, video. We do our show. We're not in a studio anymore. Those days are long gone. We're just, we do it over, we do it virtually. And the mayor of the city of Chicago said, no, you had to come. They couldn't make an exception. Well, she didn't answer, but the chair, Pat Dow, did answer me and say no. She said I could send my questions to her or the city's clerk's office and they would get back to me. But if you notice, you had the second ward, Alderman Hopkins, who was never there. You saw Leslie with her gloves on. You just, and some people are still not wearing their masks, but I never want people to feel what I was feeling. And so she never responded to my request to, to, to say that I wanted it virtual, but she knew that's what I wanted. That one would have made sense because think about Matt Martin. He has two small children. He was one of the last people that I sat in the room with. You know how hurtful it is to have to call your coworkers and say, hey, I need you and your family to go get a COVID test because I got COVID. Like, that's not nothing you want to say, especially your coworkers you like. And so it's, it's real sad that we're pushing be safe, get vaccinated. 
but we're not doing things that make us healthy. The city is back fully open. I've been and seen so many events where people are not wearing masks. And I'll take mine out momentarily to take a picture, but that's it. It's right back on. I wash my hands. I have sanitizer everywhere. I've had to self-quarantine for my staff um, who are like family to me. And so this was a difficult time in my, in my life. And I've never been this sick ever. And I got five babies. And so this was not something that I would wish on anybody. But we got to have start to have conversations about how do we keep us healthy? How are we taking care of ourselves? Because that's one of the biggest things that I don't hear the city saying. Where you may as wash your hands. No. What are people eating? Are you taking your vitamins? Because I'm going to say this. If you don't take care of yourself and health, healthiness, you damn sure don't do it in your illness. And that's what I had to do. Not taking time for myself. Not taking time off. Because this, um, I feel like the people chose me to do its work and I'm going to do that. But that doesn't mean kill yourself. That doesn't mean self-care is not being selfish. And so... Those three weeks where I had to look at the ceiling and I watched every episode of Dateline and every cartoon you could ever imagine Disney Plus has, I watched. So, <laughs> Well, let me just say this. This is me speaking, uh, not Jeanette Taylor. Uh, uh, Alderwoman Dow and Mayor Lightfoot, that is some of the most petty, th- cruel, uh, and heartless stuff I've ever heard. I mean, come on, these are your yeah. colleagues for crying out loud. This Jeanette Taylor is your colleague. You're, I'm not saying you're friends with her. I know Mayor Lori Lightfoot, you got some issues with Jeanette Taylor, which I don't understand. But she's your colleague. And and and, and her, if she has Jeanette, if you have COVID, you're endangering the life. You're, you're everybody, there. everybody there. You know when the city is doing something wrong, when Napolitano and Spazzato text and call you. Napolitano touched me on my shoulder and said, I know we've had our differences, but I don't want to see you sick. I've had to deal with this with my family, and these are some ways to take care of yourself. Nick Spazzato, when he first heard, he texted me. Now, these are people that I don't agree with politically. I just don't. We, we don't see eye to eye. But they had the compassion, and everybody there did. They sent me all this delicious food that I couldn't taste, that I still can't taste. They were texting me. They sent flowers and cards. People really showed up for me. And so, because, you know, sometimes in this job, you got to reevaluate why you're there. Sometimes I feel like, why am I here? What am I doing here? But folks why, at this time reminded me, and I appreciate everybody, including you, who texts and who said, are you okay? Do you need anything? And I didn't because um, Bridget, Tristan, Makaya, and Michael did an excellent job of taking care of their mother. So I was just like my sister and brother. Whatever I needed, I got. And so I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah, I, I don't know Napolitano. Uh, I, I've interviewed I didn't really have an interview. I just had a phone conversation with him once. Uh, by the way, he's looking very dapper these days with that beard. I saw that new picture. Okay, Napolitano with the beard. That's that quarantine time we had. We've all reevaluated a lot of things. He's looking like George Cooney. I'm like, wait a minute. Is George Cooney the alderman of the 45th one? Anyway, but Nick Spazzato's straight up. I've known Nick for many years, and we don't see eye to eye on anything, anything on politics. Okay, Jeanette Taylor, but he's a good guy. 
And uh, people say, well, how could you like Nick Spazzato? I go, because he's straight up, you know, and he's, uh, he's just a very compassionate and guy. His lived experience is. His lived experience, like when I hear him and Apollo Tonto and even Gardner when they talk, I hear them talk about their friends, their family, their coworkers, because that's what police and fire are to them. And I'm okay with that. I hear you, but I want you to hear me talk about accountability because that's what I want. Nothing more, nothing less. This ain't about who the majority of the force look like, who they are. It's about accountability, and I don't care who it is. All right, let's uh, let's get down to it. Uh, you mentioned uh, police, and uh, this this fight is brewing right now. Uh, and uh, Napolitano spoke to it. I saw his. Uh, that's where I saw him with that new beard in the Sun Times today, where he was uh, talking about uh, how he's with the police officers 100. percent He does not believe uh, in mandates for vaccines. Uh, I know you went to a period where you were wondering about the vaccine. I read your, the interview that you gave with one of the newspapers. I can't remember which one it was, uh, uh, Jeanette. But uh, so, what's your attitude now about? mandating uh, police officers and all city workers to get vaccinated. Go ahead. It's still a personal choice, but instead of shoving down, get the vaccination, because the vaccination does not keep you from getting COVID. See, there's there's a misunderstanding of what the vaccination does. Um, I had no breathing issues. I didn't have to go to the emergency room. And I have asthma. I mean, I ain't had an asthma attack. I had one this year in May, but before then, I hadn't had an asthma attack since cash money took over for the 99-2000. It just, I don't have it. And so for me, it's still personal choice, but then what are the other options? Some people can't physically. Like my secretary artistic, I'm going to need 10 people, including his family members, to hold him down and give him a shot. He's just not one of those kids. But I also don't want to keep him from school. And I'm truly upset that the city has not offered them, um, you know, online. It hasn't been fair. He had to stay home for 10 days. And he is already a kid who needs as much help as he gets. And so I've lived this myself. And so there are a bunch of things that we can do different. The contact tracers never asked me, who did I come in contact with last? Where do I think I got it? They did offer to say that if, if I needed medicine, that they would provide it. Um, and if I needed to go to a doctor, they would provide that. But where is the aftercare? How am I taking care of myself now? Because I'm still tired. I still get winded. I'm, I'm still struggling. I am. I, I, you know, I make it look good, but I'm struggling. Um, you got to have all of those pieces. And so now there should be this big thing around how we make Chicago healthy. How are we talking about what you eat? And to get my taste and smell back, I didn't burn oranges. I didn't suck lemons. You name it, I've done it to try to get my taste and nothing just is working for me right now. So my doctor was saying, you'll get it back. It'll come back. But we got to start having those conversations because it's cold at this time. What will it be next time? And if you look at the majority of the people dying, they look like us. If I was an organizer then, I wouldn't have been able to buy medicine like I needed to. I wouldn't have been able to afford juice. I wouldn't be able to get all of those things that make you healthy. Yeah, the flu is one thing. COVID is the flu, a common cold, and pneumonia all wrapped up in one. It would take me at least 10 minutes after I was shower to get out to even be able to put on some clothes. I would be so winded. And... I'm not an unhealthy person. I've been a big girl my whole life. 
So I'm used to carrying this weight around. It just, I couldn't. And so how are we telling people to take care of themselves afterwards? And then how are we just being healthy all around? Asking people to work 27 days, 24 seven, that's not it. I slept the majority of my time and it was much needed sleep, but I could afford to. Mm. I work for the city, not my families in my community don't have that option. So it's why I really don't complain, but what is the city really, you got this $1.9 million, take it and help these families who suffer from COVID. I got a, my 19 year old was let off her job for, for 10 days because I had COVID and she tested negative. We quarantined from each other. We are blessed enough to have a big enough apartment where everybody can stay in their own space. That's not what people in our community, that's not what they have. And the lady on the phone was just like, you were in a perfect situation. And I was like, grateful that I am. I'm grateful that I can quarantine. I'm grateful that I can, but that's not the reality of a lot of Chicagoans. And so how are we helping them? What happened to the YMCA and the McCormick Place and all those spaces that you had for sick families? You took it all that away. Why? Because now we need it the most. We've opened back fully, which was a mistake. You don't see the same amount of, you don't see them advertising how many people died now, how many people new cases. They don't do any, because to them it just went away, but everybody is still living with that reality. I've met, whole, I've talked to people who entire families have gotten COVID and they still are trying to recover and they're trying to figure out how they're going to pay their rent now, now that the rent moratorium is up. Like, where do they want to work? And people don't want to go back to, to make it $10 an hour when you really work $25 an hour. Did your doctors tell you that it would have been worse for you if you hadn't been vaccinated? Did they make that clear? Of course. I would have gotten the flu because I was late getting my flu shot. I get my flu shot every year September 1st, because, but because so many people, they were doing COVID tests and they weren't really doing flu. And so I, even when it came to the vaccination, I live in Chicago, I ain't scared to die. I was becoming scared to live because I kept hearing people getting COVID, going to the hospital, who were normally healthy people who died. And so I just, I can't understand a system that does not put people first. We would not make any money if it wasn't for the amount of people in this world. But we chose it to open up back the world and then people are decided to play God. We gonna mandate you make masks. We gonna mandate you don't. We gonna do this. There has got to be a better way and we gotta start talking about just being healthy, just having different options. Mm. I do know when I was listening to you talk uh, about the advantages that you have over a lot of people, uh, and uh, I appreciate your honesty, uh, Jeanette, because what you're saying is absolutely true. And I thought the same things about myself. There are, I have a room in my house. I could go and shut the door and I don't have to share that room with anybody else. Not everybody has that. So if I were to get COVID, I would go to that room and shut the door. And I remember this happened, this popped into my mind when um, uh, Joe Rogan, the uh, uh, podcasting host, uh, he got COVID about two months ago or so. And he talked about uh, how, you know, he immediately separated from his family and he immediately doctors came to the house and they put him on all kinds of uh, drugs and they gave him all kinds of fluids. And I'm like, well, God bless you, Joe Rogan. I'm glad you survived. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
you know, if I got COVID, there's no, no doctors coming to my house. You know, well, my podcast show is just not big enough for that. And shout out to Friends Health because I was able to text my doctor. And that's something she was doing before I came out of it. I can text her or call her anytime. And so shout out to Dr. Collins from Friends Health. The entire time, her and Dr. Maya Green from Howard Brown, which is another clinic, were both texting me because Dr. Dr. Green is the person who convinced me to get the vaccination. Did you know I was... Like they, this the country hasn't done good with us when it comes to trying out stuff. That's how they get to see Yeremy and sickness. It's how they use that woman's cells after she was dead to figure out that she had these genes that could help us. And so, COVID ain't been around that long. Y'all already got a vaccination. Just it didn't sit well with me. It didn't. But then when I saw all these people starting to die, and I was like. I got a grandbaby. I go home to my kids. They didn't ask for this. I want to take it. And I, I have no, I got the Johnson & Johnson. I have no regrets about it. My regrets is that we didn't take this serious earlier. And not us, because we've always taken it. But the previous administration did not take it. And that's at the federal level, didn't take it serious enough early. And that we're so busy pushing vaccinations, we're not talking about how to be healthier. Uh, all right. And, well, first of all, before COVID, uh, Jeanette Taylor would come on my show and talk about national health care. And I just I'm just shaking my head at all this. It's like this country. You would have been there. Yes. <laughs> we would be, listen, with all the money that has come down, with Bernie in, in, in the seat, we would be a better, we would be an American somebody would be proud of. Because he already had the plan in place. Just politics and the willingness to not care about people who are less fortunate runs this country. No, I, I'm Jeanette. I've, I've done a lot of thinking about this. Uh, the resistance to Bernie's uh, health care proposals uh, that go back to 2016 and so many Democrats uh, telling me that, Ben, you're unrealistic. This will never happen. People don't want to give up the health care that they have. Uh, don't even try to ask for it or demand it. And it's just like a self-defeating prophecy. Here we are in the middle of a pandemic. We're two years into it now, or a year and a half. I've lost track of time. We still can't even get tested. Yeah. We still don't have testing available, like, everywhere you ride. You go up north, you'll find a whole sets of facility. On the south and west side, you got to find one. You haven't made the stuff really accessible, but you're still complaining you want people to be mandated. So, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you my theory, and we haven't had this conversation. I'm curious for your response. I believe Americans, follow me on this one, Jeanette, have been brainwashed. Let me explain why. I look at the opposition from the Chicago Police Force oh, uh, and uh, Johnny Canizera, the head of the Fraternal Order Police, articulating it. They don't want the vaccine. And, I, and uh, I'm like, Why? Why are police officers so resistant to the vaccine? I read this article in the New York Times the other. I think it was the New York Times. Follow me in this one, Jeanette. There have been over uh, 400 police officers who've died of COVID since this uh, epidemic hit, which is like four times the number of police officers who've been killed in the line of duty by bullets. 
when we, a police officer dies in gunfire, the whole city mourns, flags are at half mass. There's calls for increased funding of police, uh, take away bond rights for people, just keep them in jail, even if they're charged with a crime. You know, we have this visceral reaction. On the other hand, 400, over 400 died of COVID, and law enforcement officers are saying, we don't make us get the vaccine. And I'm like, why are you, why is there such a strong opposition to the vaccine? And I believe people have been brainwashed. Of course, been brainwashed 45, 45, we're going to be feeling the effects of 45 probably for the rest of your and my life. Because he has people, he had people for too long saying it was a hoax. It wasn't real. <clears throat> then instead of manning up and saying, hey, this is real. This is what we need to do. He lied his whole four years. And so they, these are the people who didn't think that what they did at, at D.C. was right. These people were thinking that they were really doing something when it was all wrong. And we're a country, a country of privilege. Think about the majority of the people who are cops. They look like you being, they don't look like me. And so it's this thing of being told what to do. I dare you take away my American rep. Your kids can't go to school unless they're vaccinated. You're special, you're any, we all got chicken pox. We all got the flu shot. We all got all of those shots that the school said we get. Now what's the difference? And I get it. I work for government and I don't trust them. So I do understand, but when you got officers that are your friends that you claim you love and back to blue and all that died and you decide not to do it just because you ain't being told, you full crap. Save that for something else. Then I feel sorry for your family, but if you die, that's what you deserve. Sorry, it's just common sense. I, I'm uh, listening to you reminds me what uh, uh, I, know, I know you're not a big sports fan, but Carl Anthony Towns, uh, he plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves, great center for the middle summer Timberwolves. And uh, Jeanette, he, I believe he's lost seven members of his family to COVID. So his family has been really hit hard and he takes it very seriously. Uh, so someone asked about Kyrie Irving, the uh, star guard uh, for the Brooklyn Nets, who's refusing to get vaccinated and may not be able to play this year, may lose a year's worth salary. They all should. If you're in a place where you're working with the public and you are, uh, you're elected, so elected officials, these folks that get contracts, well, you know you're around a lot of people. If you refer refuse, you should get fired. You should not be paid. I- I'm sorry. I'm with you. I'm, I'm sorry. And that's, and that's not wanting me to force anybody, but for your own safety and common sense. Like, I wouldn't dare tell anybody not to get vaccinated. But I'm also not going to push my beliefs on people either. I'm going to say, look, this was my experience, and I don't know that I would be alive if I did not have this vaccination. So if it ain't against your religious beliefs, get the vaccination. It's just worth it. It's not going to stop you from getting COVID, but it will help you recover better, and you won't be as sick. Because I I kid you not, had I not had the vaccination, we probably wouldn't have this conversation. Yeah. You think about exhaustion. I wasn't taking vitamins. I eat whatever I want to eat, which is why God probably punished me now without my sense of smell and taste. Because he like, the minute she get it back, she's going to be back to doing that. But I honestly changed some of my habits. I'm taking vitamins. 
on a daily basis. I'm drinking more water. I'm doing some things different in my life because at the end of the day, nobody's going to take care of my family the way I am. And I don't want my kids to experience what I experienced as a kid. I lost my father when I was 13 on Christmas. And that's nothing that you ever recover from. And it was from, he had a seizure and he hit his head. But that's not anything that I want. I die when I die in natural causes. And COVID is not natural causes. And I want it to be of old age. Live forever, as long as you can. Live to be Tim Black's age. Uh, anyway, I'll just finish it. Carl Anthony Towns, so they asked him about uh, Kyrie Irving. And what he said, uh, Jeanette, he said, listen, the man doesn't want to take the shot. You can't force him to take the shot. And then he said, but please, I don't want to hear his bullshit reasons for not taking it. Because exactly. I love it when he just went off. Nobody wants to hear your reasons, Kyrie. If you're dumb enough to walk away from a whole season and all that money because you don't want to take a shot, that's your personal opinion, whatever. But I don't want to have to hear it. I loved it when he said that. By the way, I also love what Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the greatest basketball player ever said. If I was on that team, everybody would have the shot. <laughs> Some leadership there. Exactly, uh, because that's what needs to happen. That's, it's just healthy. Like, I got a coworker here who, because of her asthma, she can't. She doesn't know what it's gonna do to her, but she got two masks on. She wear her gloves. She takes. She doing everything to protect herself, and that's what I expect people to do. All right, uh, let's move on from this. Uh, I could talk forever about this. This is a real obsession of mine, and I'm just uh, continue to send out those uh, strong vibrations for you, uh, Alder Woman Taylor, for you to get strong, get that, uh, get fully back, even with the the taste and smell etc and so forth so you can enjoy life uh and not just eke out life if you know what i mean um let's talk about the obama center which uh, is not in your ward but right next to your ward has a huge impact on your ward and you led the fight for a community benefits agreement up against some very powerful forces the city of chicago the university of chicago and the obamas let's not forget them they're pretty powerful too uh, we had on the show uh, about a week ago, uh, Dixon Romeo, a community activist. You know Dixon uh, from your neck of the woods. He spoke very highly of you, uh, gave you a shout out, said he hoped you were doing better, feeling better. And uh, But uh, he was pointing out uh, some of the drawbacks uh, to the Obama Center. Got a lot of press attention, a lot of love for the Obamas in this city. Jeanette Taylor, you know that as well as anybody. If you dare to say anything remotely critical of Barack Obama, a bunch of people are going to get mad at you. Um, so you've had a time to reflect upon it. Uh, what's your thoughts about where we're at with the Obama center? Do you uh, think there's enough protection for people, uh, poor people, working people in your wards? Go ahead. Of course not. Of course not. There's not enough protection. Um, had they listened to the community early on, we would be further along because, what you can't do now is, so what's happening now in the community is you got landlords who know they can get three times as much and they're kicking residents that's lived in their community 10 to 15 years out of their building because of the amount of money to be made. Um, making sure that we're getting people on that workforce um, so that when it's being built, they're actually people from the community. Um, Lakeside Alliance, the foundation, in Chicago Women and Trade, we did an event right before I got sick around hiring, and um, we're going to do another one. And so I'm going to do all I can to make sure 
people get hired. But now I'm going to be in the space where I have to diligently work with CHA, um, HUD, um, the Department of Housing, uh, Commissioner Navarro, and the Department of Planning, Commissioner Cox, to say, how are we making sure that these families get to stay and these homeowners get to stay? And so that's one of the things that I will be fighting for when it comes to the budget. Um, you know, I've been a no because I don't agree with raising property taxes and I don't agree with the loss of job, which none of that is supposed to happen this time. And so really using my power to say, will you invest more in my community to make sure that people who have been displaced, we can bring them back. But there also is a chance for everyday normal working 40 hour families to be able to stay. Um, you can't honor the first black president of the United States by kicking people that look like him out of the community. You just can't. That's not a legacy that I'm sure him and the foundation don't want. And I don't want to see happen either. And so um, I'm working with people who I may not politically agree with, but that's what you got to do when you fight for your community. But uh, well put. You can't honor the first black president of the United States by kicking people uh, out of the community who look like him. Uh, well put, Jeanette Taylor. All right. Uh, the other big news event that I uh, would have asked you about uh, had you been on the show uh, is about Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, sort of scapegoating uh, state's attorney Kim Fox uh, for the violence. That, it's ridiculous. Uh, this, so one of the conversations that I tried to have with her even with the George Floyd, you know, I keep my receipts. I said, the death of George Floyd is not on your back. It's not on your hands. Don't thank the police, thank your community. And I said that because at nine o'clock in the morning when I got outside to see kind of what the damage was in my community, my community had gotten together and it was like literally clean. All the places that were busted up or broken, they had cleaned up. They were helping folks and businesses that they normally don't even shop with, but they got it clean. And so you thank the people. And she didn't do that. The things that are happening around the city of Chicago are not the mayor's fault, nor are they Kim Fox's fault. Um, people should allow Kim Fox to do her job. Y'all allowed Anita Everest to F it up for years. Give this sister an opportunity to fix it. Let's call a spade a spade. Um, while I might not agree with Lori with a bunch of things that she do, Rom and Baby fucked it up. So I'm just saying, and give her time. Now, where she loses my support is, is she does not work with all 50 of us to figure this out. Because there is a way to combat violence and you don't got to reinvent the wheel to do it. You invest in the places that you don't. And so invest in Southwest is a great idea, but where's the real investment for the people who actually live in the community? Making sure that all of this money that comes down from C that we get from the federal government that's going to CPS and that's going to the park districts, that they actually allow all young people to attend. Not cherry pick, not figure out who could pay, because we pay for it time and time over again actually having those pieces in place. And then when people fuck up, they need to be able to find out they should not work for us. And they should not be allowed to get a pension as well. I'm tired of people not being held accountable, which is why I signed a letter to get rid of the commissioner at the park district. I never want to see people unemployed. But 
I know you knew what was going on. Somebody told you, some, and it was your job, responsibility, and duty. Y'all make more than all of it. So you should have taken care of it. And so this Kim Fox Laurie thing is them showing black people not being able to be in charge. Look at the bigger picture. Look how they dragged me and her when me and her exchange words. White men do it all the time. I don't see them sweating on the news. But when black women do it, we got a different perception. Stop it. Save it. These issues were here before any of us got into office. Hopefully, us working together will make sure that they get better as we get out of office. Period. And we also just need change in leadership in a lot of these spaces. Some of these people, they from ROMs and Daily's time, they've been sitting in these seats too long and they have not helped create real change. And so there needs to be a flip through city council, through state, through anybody that doesn't lose their job. See, we get into this. All skin folk and kin folk. And I don't care what color you is. If you wrong, you wrong. And that's just how it is. All right. Uh, I feel like I've taken so much of your time. You got to uh, get a little rest from this long conversation. We'll close with a budget. I think I heard you say, uh, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I thought I heard you say that you were uh, not going to vote for it. Maybe I misheard you. I know you didn't vote for it last no. year. Okay, uh, so until what- I see them put some real investment in helping folks not lose their homes, because that's about to be a big thing. These people, like them saying self-evict, don't self-evict yourself, it's a step in the right direction. Why would you all not do what the county did? The county put out this emergency money to help families stay. They did. And those direct payments could go right to landlords with a letter to that we could have done this better. But no, we paid debts. And you know we weren't supposed to pay debt with that money. So what's happened? The city of Chicago and its taxpayers are going to pay for this eventually. Give it to us our next election, they're gonna be coming back and saying, You wasn't supposed to use the care to ask money for this. And by the way, we taxed it. And so we're gonna be right back of the people we could have because see if we bail out the people, I'm all for that. I'll, I'll, I'll stand with her. I'll go to Springfield with her. Hell, I'll go to D.C. with her. You continue to bail out the same folks, which is the banks and the corporations. So you figure it out, sis. But at the end of the day, we have the opportunity to bail out the people. And if they're not talking about bailing out the people, it's a no for me. All right, uh, Jeanette Taylor, uh, I did hear it right, and uh, I'm not going crazy. Did she say no? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she said no. Uh, all right, listen, Jeanette, uh, please just stay well, stay healthy, and uh, I'll, I'll repeat this. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Alderwoman uh, Dow, come on now. If an Alderwoman or an Alderman has freaking COVID, I mean, that's ridiculous. What do you want all the other aldermen to get it? And I'm still scared to be around my coworkers because I don't want to make anybody sick. This is not a feeling that anybody wants to feel. It's just not. Sometimes, Jeanette, I think this city has lost its mind. I've lived, I've lived here since you 80 years. <laughs> you just not think that me. Come on now. I be saying every day, like, you cannot make this up. You cannot make this shit up. Every day, they find something new that happens and I go, my mother never told me any of this. My mother mother was one of those people who said, it'll get worse before it gets better. How much worse can the city of Chicago get? And then the statement that she made last night to the Latino caucus, 
And she said she better than all the mayors, including Harold. You didn't see it in the trivia? No. Wow. Alderman Vasquez, she said she did more for black and brown people than any mayor. And Alderman Vasquez said, what about Harold Washington? She said, including Harold Washington. Lady, Harold's chicken did more for the black community, but I digress. I am momentarily speechless. Uh, can't make it up, baby. Can't make it up. Uh, Harold's the greatest of all time, and I lived through all these men. Man, listen, if we could dig him up and act—that's what I tell so my brother and my best friend, who is my landlord. They're bears fanatics, and I tell them every year, just dig Walter Payton up and ask him what to do. Because <laughs> the bears ain't figured it out. We don't have to do the same with Harold. Like, Harold, we need you to go through somebody. We need you to talk to us because we just can't figure it out. I, that, I did not know that. I missed that. That's breaking news on my show. I just missed that. Uh, what, it, for whatever reason, it wasn't in the paper that I read today. Because it happened last It happened last night. Okay. I'm just speechless. I got it. And I was just like, you, you've got to be kidding me. you got – no, she that, didn't say that. That that is like, and I know you're getting you're not a sports fan. That's like the backup uh, halfback for the Chicago Bears saying that he's better than Walter Payton. That's like a backup guard for the Chicago Bears than Jordan. That is unbelievable. Because I lived through the kind of pressure. Just what all of Chicago turned against Harold Washington when he was the mayor. They were like the aldermen joined forces to try to sabotage yeah. and bring down the city. Mayor Lori Lightfoot has Absolutely. never seen anything like that. I was a kid, I remember. I, I was a kid, I remember. Yeah, but she go to the Chicago Tribune, she said it. But hey, you, you can't make it up. It, it's going to be a heck of a look. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Well, you gave me something to write about for next week. That's for sure. Uh, I, 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 uh, you definitely gave me something to write about for next week. Uh, by the way, uh, the Bears. So we, I just knew you saw it. It came last night. Okay, it came last I'll night. It. Watch it. Listen. Read the article. I was just like, ma'am. Uh, and Alderman Vasquez was just on the show on Tuesday, but obviously that happened uh, after he was on the show. Uh, all right, uh, Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, stay well, stay healthy, get stronger, uh, keep up the fight, uh, and uh, thank you very much for taking time to come on my humble little show. Thanks, man. You'll see me soon and better. All right, very good. That's the great JT, Jeanette Taylor, Alderwoman of the 20th Ward. And uh, she's battling that COVID and she's battling injustice and she's standing up for good things. So thank you very much, Jeanette Taylor, for coming on my show. Also want to thank Harish Patel coming on the show, talking about a guaranteed income program. Uh, that sounds like a pretty good idea. And of course, let's thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Jeanette Taylor will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it <laughs> Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. I, um, right now, um, I, uh,
I um. I won't just turn the car around. Shut it off. I'm gonna kick you out and I'm gonna make you walk home. Hey friends, are you ready for government to dictate and control your lives again? I've seen a whole lot of catfish. I've seen a whole lot of catfish. Are you ready for government to dictate and control your lives? I won't just turn the car around. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words.